welcome to the Max Finance Podcast, where a certified financial planner and personal finance geek discuss how to make intentional financial decisions to maximize your money and achieve your goals. Welcome, everybody, uh, to another episode. Uh, this particular episode, we will be delving more into one of the recommendations that we had talked about in our second uh, episode. If you haven't checked that out, that is our th- our top three recommendations to be financially successful. In this particular conversation, we'll be delving into the setting goals, uh, looking more at uh, not just what sort of goals out there that you can investigate or dream about, but also how do you track those? Uh, maybe the more logistical pieces around once you've identified a goal and, and perhaps set a dollar figure or a timetable around that. Um, how do you how do you make sure you're progressing towards those goals, particularly when they're longer out in the timeline or bigger goals that may not be accomplished uh, in the next week, the next month, the next year? So that being said, you know I, I think one of the first things that we can talk about is well, why is that important? And yeah, happy to go in any direction that you see fit out of out of that introduction, Lauren. But yeah, take it away. Sure. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about. Um, in that past episode about why I think it's important to, to set your own goals. And, you know, I think we can, we'll talk about some examples of, of goals that, you know, we think people have, but I think it's obviously really important that everyone really kind of figures out what's important to them. You know, once we do that, you know, I think the only way that you really can achieve a goal is to constantly, not only say constantly, but periodically kind of uh, check in on your progress towards that. Um, and I think you need a way to, to, to measure your, your progress and reflect on, are you making progress um, and setting kind of, you know, potential milestones along the way to help you get there. So, um, yeah, so I'm really excited today to talk about the different kind of strategies there, but also in terms of, uh, you know, how they might differ for the different types of, of goals that people might have. Yeah. And so, you know, that's obviously very important, you know, in a, in a good overview. What, what are some, you know, for those who maybe who haven't listened to that episode or uh, as a refresher, you know, let's perhaps go through some major goals or, you know, some of the more common ones, maybe some more off the wall ones. Uh, do you have any, any that come off the top of your head there? Sure. I'll start with a few. I mean, I think the most, I would imagine the most, well, I don't know if people state it as a goal, but I think something that uh, people do think about is is retirement. But maybe depending on your stage of life, obviously, I would say, I'd say young people probably aren't thinking about retirement too much. But um, you know, when people are kind of anytime people are putting money into a retirement account, which is difficult to to potentially you know withdraw from, that's really kind of implicitly kind of. Uh, setting aside money for retirement. So I think that's obviously one goal. And I think uh, the whole sort of, not a whole, but a a large sort of industry around, you know, financial planning is around retirement. But, um, you know, I think there's obviously a lot of other short-term goals that that people have, or even kind of medium-term goals. You know, for some people, it could just be taking a vacation, you know? Yeah, I think that's like a really big one. Sometimes people go a long time without taking a vacation. Maybe it's maybe it's due to finances, but maybe it's also just getting time off as a challenge. So I think, you know, taking a, a week or even a two week vacation can be a can be a great goal, especially if it's a you know, a destination that's a little bit uh, further away and potentially more expensive. And then there's also things like, you know, paying off debt, whether that's a, a house or, or student loans, probably something that affects uh, many, many people in this country. So those are some examples, uh, but I'm curious to hear, you know, what are some of the examples that you and your clients uh, tend to have? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the big ones there. Um, and one thing I wanted to, to go to on, the, on what you said out the gate retirement, it's amazing how uh, a lot of the vehicles that we have at our, or the tools that we have at our disposal uh, are oriented around uh, a specific age. And I guess it depends on the perspective that you take. A, cynicals, uh, a cynic's perspective would be, uh, well, the reason that there's all of these incentives is so that the government doesn't necessarily have to uh, support you, know, you in that at very delicate time in your life, potentially, especially as you get older and older, uh, can be harder and more, maybe more expensive to, to care for it. Uh, that's obviously a very cynical way of looking at it, but another way is, is, you know, to provide, you know, 
a reward for people and again incentivize people to uh, think about their their future. And I think oftentimes, and I'm not certainly I'm not a historian of goals whatsoever, but I would imagine that's probably got to be like the largest goal. That's one of probably the most universal in in history of like eventually you you're not earning any, any income and you need to provide for yourself and probably. I would imagine in different societies and cultures, it would probably be more, you know, family oriented where the family was the the safety net and, and maybe no less so the government. Um, I guess it depends on the, the country or, or the, in the time period. But um, yeah, I was just kind of thinking, as you're saying that, I was just thinking about like, you know, what other vehicles or tools do we have for these different goals? I mean, you have the HSA, the health savings account for yeah, medical spending, but that's not typically a goal, although there is a lot of op- options to spend, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a broader, it is, it is flexible. Um, and most people probably don't, aren't aware that you're able to use those dollars and not strictly in what you, you know, like, Oh, if you're sick, you, you can go and use this. And like, no, I mean, you could use it for like glasses and LASIK or, you know, all sorts of, you know, even things that you may think are, are not necessarily medical related that could be, maybe more elective in nature, uh, able to use the HSA. So that's one. You also have the 529, you know, you got the, the, the for, for saving for college, and then they recently opened it up to now being able to use it for uh, elementary, middle school, mm-hmm. high school, you know, before uh, before college. So, um, and, and I'm sure there's a couple of more, but not too many more. I mean, it's, it's amazing what, I guess, Congress and uh, the legislation has been passed to incentivize people to start thinking about. Um, like we don't, I don't think there's a, a tool or a vehicle around home purchase. You know, and I, I would say that's probably the next biggest one from retirement. Um, you know, the old American dream, just to have your own piece of, of the pie on, on, you know, white picket fence. So that's a big one that a lot of folks, uh, have, um, you know, getting married, depending on, uh, if you've got a, a long tradition of having a, a very big ceremony and, and, and reception, or maybe something a little bit smaller, you know, buying cars, that's more potentially more of a necessity depending on where you live, um, going to school, providing for your children. Like I said before, um, not just in, in, you know, college sense, but I do, I do come across a lot of folks who have and want to send their, their children to private school. And it doesn't always have to be that crazy, you know, I mean, there's definitely private schools out there that cost more than I spent on my (laughs) undergrad, but, um, you know, I have a client that is spending $3,000 a year. Um, and not to scoff at that, but I mean, that's a lot different than, you know, 40,000 or 50,000. So, yeah. And then, and of course you've got some other more, maybe off the wall goals. Um, you know, I had a client who wanted to, uh, start a business, but this business was owning a, like a restaurant on wheels, so to speak. Um, a food truck? A f- yeah. Okay. So this is escaping me, but yeah, uh-huh. a food truck. Yeah. And, and wanted to serve some blend. I might be misremembering this, but it was, it was, it was a hybrid of like Korean and Italian or something like that. It was something very different that I, I've never had. And so that was their dream. And that's what they wanted to stockpile their money for. And, um, and they were a nurse. And so, uh, just, just a completely different, uh, career switch. And, and that's another one, you know, switching careers, like, uh, maybe do something that you're more passionate about that doesn't necessarily, um, bring in as much money as what you're currently doing. Got a lot of people that, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a new way of thinking about things, but there's definitely, I think a lot more intention, um, these days, it seems like rather than, you know, you're, you're, you're in one job and you work it for 50 years, you get a pension and then you can finally live life the way you want it to. So, um, especially in the tech industry, as, as you all know, the, the turnover and, and hiring and, and, and it's just, it's just insane. You know, people don't work at jobs, you know, for longer than like a couple of years, it seems. So, uh, I think you're kind of an anomaly in that way, but, uh, yeah, I'll quit rambling, but um, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of. There's, I'm sure there's a couple more as we get going that I can reference. Yeah, you know, the only other one that I think sometimes comes up is going back to school. 
you know, um, yeah, like similar to mentioned about switching careers. Um, maybe it's getting a first degree or second degree, maybe a, a postgraduate degree. Um, something that definitely comes up. And so it's, those are often, um, you know, obviously if, you, if you're already in one career, like that's kind of a, it's challenging, right? Cause you're not only forgoing income for a while, but then you're also spending money to, to get another education. You know, one thing I'm, I'm curious to kind of delve into at, at some point in the episode or a little bit later is just about kind of the timelines of the goal and how that, not, not so much the, the timeline, but also the intention behind it, like you mentioned, or like you alluded to, which is, I do think that uh, with certain kind of uh, tax benefits and, and laws regarding things like retirement accounts, it, you know, it gives people a, you know, it, it, it creates this expectation that retirement happens at, you know, 65 or I don't even know what, when you can actually withdraw from, you know, IRAs and 401ks without incurring penalties. And so mm-hmm. I think 59 and people, a half. Okay. 59 and a half. Thank you. Um, for a lot of people that just basically becomes the default kind of age of retirement and stuff. And so I think for a lot of people, retirement is not so much a, when do I want to retire or, you know, when do I want to stop working full-time or part-time or when do I want to be able to do what I really love? Um, and, and really just kind of that, that question sort of becomes, you know, how do I save enough to be able to retire at 59 and a half, you know, whereas all these other goals, I think if you ask someone about one of these goals that they had, I imagine they would have a, a somewhat like specific or, or ideal kind of timeline, um, in mind that, they kind of came up with themselves, certainly buying a house or getting married. They're not like, well, hopefully we'll have enough in five years. I mean, it's, you know, there's some intention about when they want this to happen. So anyway, I'm just kind of uh, curious as to start talking about how you track progress towards it, how that might kind of uh, play into that. Just reading that back to you, was that more around um, how one could feel more like it's already set for you? And people aren't necessarily as intentional with something as retirement, um, you know, because it's so far away versus something that's closer on the timeline as, as a house. And maybe that came from their own, you know, thought process or, or, or you, know, you know, rather than society saying that you have to, to, to go and have this particular goal. Yeah, I mean, I think it's both about um, one person, you know, making kind of active and conscious decisions to prioritize that goal, but also just in terms of the thought process of, you know, I think most people, if they had a goal of buying a house in three years, for instance, they might, you know, understand that, well, if I make some, if I make an additional sacrifice in this area, if we cut back in this expense, we could actually achieve that goal sooner. But I don't feel like people often have that sort of um, that mentality for things like retirement. I think for a lot of time, people, because of their taxes and, and IRAs and stuff, they're complicated, right? And so, and they're, they're confusing. And so people like really do, you know, feel like, okay, I'm putting money in my 401k, doing what I'm told. I can withdraw that at 59 and a half. So that's when I'm going to aim for retirement. I just want to make sure I'm putting enough money in there. So there's not this kind of trade-off or understanding of if I actually do more or make you know, divert more to this goal, then I could actually uh, achieve this goal sooner. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but uh, obviously, you're you're well aware that's something that's I'm very passionate about. That you know, people think about that specifically as it relates to I wouldn't say necessarily retirement, but you know, if, if they're working a in a career where they're not you know like it's maybe they enjoy it, but it's not something that they would choose to spend. You know five days a week doing every single day or five days a week doing that. Um, maybe if they're able to achieve that sooner, maybe they can find something part-time or consulting or just like maybe a different industry completely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I call that, you know, become when you become work optional, you know, where, where you can, uh, there's other ways of, of characterizing that, but yeah. When, when can you say no to the current job or the current project and, and yeah, focus on something that you're more passionate about, um, you know, again, whether that brings in the dollars or not, and there's, there's all sorts of, of there's a whole spectrum there, but, um, I, I think what you're, you're, you're getting at too, is, is just that a goal like retirement can be very complex. How do you know when you have hit that milestone? And so I guess, you know, to, to kind of launch into how I would view that 
you know, it comes down to, do you have income streams that are able to replace a certain amount or a desired amount of your cost of living at that particular time? And I say it in that way because, you know, some people have a desired lifestyle that they want to have in retirement. And that could be above, at, you know, it could be the same as what they're spending now, but it could be above, it could be below, you know, and, and, and trying to project that alone is very difficult to know, okay, well, where am I going to be? I don't, I don't know what my preferences are going to be. I mean, heck, if I look back at the last five years, my preferences have changed so much. How can I, you know, depending again, how long you are from that goal or when you want that goal to occur, you know, for 20 to 30 years out on the timeline on that one, what do I even do? What do I, how do I even think about it? And so much like we were talking about our last episode, the more you're able to just put towards this goal, you know, the more option optionality you, you give yourself and flexibility. So I think, yeah, understanding in a rough sense, and even if you don't have a, a great idea of what that could look like, let's just use some proxies. Okay, a rough proxy could be what you're spending today. And, you know, there might be some things that are going to change, like housing, like healthcare. Maybe you want to travel a little bit more. Um, but other things, uh, you know, such as taxes might go down because you're not earning the same amount of money that you were. And you don't get taxed the same way you do when you're running in a job versus taking money out of a portfolio or, you know, tax advantage way of, of social security. So yeah, I think those are the two key components. I, I mean, there's obviously so many other things to go from there, but initial thoughts is, is when you, let me ask you this, when you really got interested in controlling your own destiny and not letting society dictate or the government dictate when it is that you can retire, so to speak, what were the first things that you were thinking about? First things in terms of like, how did you even like, wrap your mind around like to quantify that goal? Yeah. You know, I think one of the first things, if you start researching early retirement or financial independence, you'll kind of come across the, you know, the concept of, of safe withdrawal rate, which, you know, is basically a certain percentage that you can w withdraw from your uh, portfolio that's still invested in, in the mixture of, you know, stocks and bonds um, that would be able to sustain that, that withdrawal rate for X number of years, you know. 30, 40, 50. And obviously, if you're retiring before you're 65, you need to plan for a longer retirement uh, time frame. And so, if you kind of, you know, uh, I think somewhere, you know, three and a half to 4%, we can have probably a whole episode about uh, safe withdrawal rates. But, um, you know, I think 4% is a, is a number that's thrown around a lot. And um, there's a study around that. But um, so, let's just use 4% because it's pretty easy to calculate with. So, let's say you're spending, you know, $50,000 a year. And let's see, so uh, 4%. So, we need to multiply that by uh, 20, 25 times. So, I don't know. Actually, that's not a good number. Twenty-five times uh, fifty thousand dollars a year is uh, what is that? Uh, One point two five million dollars. Is that right? Maybe I should have picked a simpler number. But basically, like you 40, multiply forty thousand. Forty thousand is a good number on the four percent rule. Forty thousand. If you spend forty thousand a year, you would need a million dollars. If you spend eighty thousand dollars a year, then you would need uh, two million dollars. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, th that's just like starting there. It's like first of all, I think it. it to me, that was really enlightening because it told me two things. It told me one, like what is the kind of absolute kind of target or number that I need to kind of like aim for, but then it also like really clearly it clearly illustrated the if I reduce our you know our annual spending uh, or expenses, like the relationship between that you know that reduction in annual expenses and that reduction in target goal. So I think just kind of even just ha knowing that like oh once I have 25 to maybe to 30 times my kind of annual expenses or whether it's, again like you said it maybe your current annual expenses which is obviously a you know a pretty safe bet but it could be your kind of your your future idealistic uh expenses which which could be lower right you know, you might be wanting to live in a lower cost of living area or something like that but yeah, i think with that knowledge i think it's uh, really exciting and i think it opens up a lot of opportunities to really prioritize that if that's something that you're interested in yeah and, and so you're speaking about and just to catch everybody up if, if if they didn't follow the math there or how you got there so what amount of money 
can you uh, sustainably withdraw every single year? Um, because we all know that the market does not move up at 5% every single year, as much as we'd love that to be the case. It's just not happening. I mean, you can look at the last year, March 2020, and you can see that there can be some big down 2008, 2000, I mean, all sorts of different time periods where um, it just doesn't work that way. So, um, what Lauren is referring to is a study that was done back in the early 90s that has since had a number of iterations and, and other um, contributors add to these different, you know, create these different rules. And uh, the, the, what they did, it was called the Trinity study. Um, and what they did to, to, to go and, and set out is, is to understand going all the way back to when we first started recording and when stock market data was first being recorded. Um, and that was going to be, I want to say it was like late 1800s or so. And they, um, the researchers went and looked at a rolling 30 year period of time investing in, again, we can go into the details in future episodes here, but just high level 60% stock, 40% bonds, which is a very typical retirement portfolio. And what was the safe withdrawal rate that you could take from uh, all the rolling 30 year period from, you know, late 1800s all the way up to then, which was like, you know, again, early nineties, um, which I believe was like 1960s when they had to go out to, uh, to make that 30 year work. And the minimum amount was, uh, the safe amount, uh, sustainable, uh, initial withdrawal amount was 4%. Um, and that was through, you know, the great depression, all of the wars, hyperinflation, just all sorts of different events that had occurred during that particular, those particular time periods. And here's the kicker on that one. That left principal intact, meaning if you had a million bucks and you're, you're taking the 4% out, you still have that million dollars to give to whatever, you know, beneficiaries, heirs, you know, whatever, charitable. So there are definitely periods where you can take out more than that. But again, just to get a quick number uh, to, to understand and kind of get your head around, all right, well, how much could I withdraw? Um, and, and who knows if that number will hold into the future? I mean, there's always, uh, you know, the old adage like past performance is not, uh, it's not indicative of future results there, but 4% at the risk of of uh, you know of any guarantees here, four percent is a, is a safe number, I think, to start with at least in these this mental exercise. And so, um, you know, just as you said, Lauren, you take a good proxy. Let's say if you haven't had much um, thought around what retirement could look like, and that's uh, what the first step is really to understand how much it costs to live today. And if you don't know that, definitely go back to our previous episode, episode three, where we talk about how to track that um, and, and some different tools and tips around that. Let's say you're spending that, uh, you know, that, that $40,000 a year. Um, don't forget to, to, to add in, you know, you're going to have to pay taxes on that money. So um, you maybe have to round up for taxes a little bit. And then you just divide that by 0.04. That's another way to do it aside from the, the times it by 25. So um, that'll get you a rough number. Um, and then not only that, um, depending on, on your thoughts about social security and kind of the income that you could provide or that could be provided to you uh, in retirement, that could lower that number. So there's all sorts of factors that play into it, but it allows you to get a really back of the napkin um, math uh, of what that number could look like. And, and that's probably one of the most complex goals and I, I'm really glad we're talking about that, uh, but that can apply to all different types of goals as well. I mean, just just that kind of logic, um, because we're talking about so many years out in the future, and then you got to make sure that portfolio lasts, you know, until the end of, you know, hopefully beyond your life. You don't. Uh, there's some clients, uh, uh, probably more more than I'm giving credit to, but some of them want to to bounce, you know, the last check. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned Social Security. I think kind of alongside that is just any other sources of income. I think it can help you help you also understand, you know, if you're interested and in, in willing to, you know, supplement with a, a part-time job or, or less hours or, you know, that your your target goal can be a lot lower. So, yeah, I mean, let's I think let's let's keep going with this goal cuz I do think it is the most you know, complex. It's the longest longest term and it's also just the hardest to even, I'd say, like estimate how much it is, you know, compared to we talk about, for instance, you know, uh, paying off debt. Well, probably no, you should hopefully know exactly how much debt you have to pay off or, you know, buying a house, you know, you 
ideally once you figure out a budget, you kind of know how much of a down payment you need. But, you know, um, let's assume that someone knows what their kind of their annual expenses that they want to be able to spend in retirement. And so, and let's say they, they, you know, use a 4% rule, or maybe they're a little conservative and they use three and a half and they come up with a, a target, you know, kind of net worth or portfolio. How do you help clients or how do you estimate how long it will take for them to get there. So like, you know, let's say someone says that I need $1.5 million. Maybe they're making X, whether that's maybe a hundred thousand dollars a year. Like, you know, how do you, or, you know, obviously it matters how much they're saving, but how do you project that? Like, you know, I'm curious to hear, yeah, obviously how you help your clients. And I guess um, I can talk about some of the things that kind of I did uh, prior to, to kind of working with you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think, um, well, the simple answer to that is, is technology, leveraging technology to make this um, very complex question more approachable. And there are all sorts of retirement calculators out there. Some of them are very simplified. You know, what do you expect your rate of return to be? Uh, so the idea of investing the money and making some level of rate of return over time. And uh, with that growth in mind, uh, in addition to what you're putting away uh, every every month or every paycheck, uh, we can start to, to come up with, okay, well, it's going to take us about this long to get the money that you need in order to retire. You know, again, there's all sorts of resources out there. Um, I know NerdWallet has a number of, of free calculators to use. Um, one of the, the challenging things is, uh, when you look at it from a linear perspective is again, the markets don't move up in a linear fashion. You're not, even if you put that interest rate very, very low, the rate of return that you're going to get, you know, if it's 3%, you know, versus 5% versus 8%, um, you know, we've been very fortunate, I think in the last decade, even with a little blip of, of, uh, the pandemic with relation to the markets where, uh, you've got a generation of investors who are used to, uh, rates of returns that are, fantastic. Um, and if you've been investing in, in 2008, um, you could be a little gun shy and, you know, not necessarily take on, uh, the risk that might necessarily get you to your goal. So there's a balance between, uh, weighing the risk and, um, making sure that you're, uh, you know, able to achieve your goal with, uh, the timing that you, 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 desire. So another way to, to combat that, there's all sorts of levers that we look at, you know, which again is interest rate, uh, the, the rate of return you might get the amount of savings that you have. Um, you know, if you have any income in retirement, um, and it's just, I know it does sound maybe a little daunting, but it isn't necessarily that it's not, we're not dealing with crazy types of math. You know, at the end of the day, this is just kind of the amount of money that you can expect coming in every month uh, is either by a, a guaranteed source. And again, debatable with depending on when you plan on retire with relation to social security, or maybe you've got a, you know, maybe you plan to do some part-time consulting work or, or, you know, I don't know, I think we mentioned in the past, like wood, wood crafting or some sort of other passion that you may be able to, to get some dollars in the door or be a Walmart greeter, um, you know, those, it's surprising actually how big of an impact those small uh, steady streams of income ha- have an impact on the overall uh, portfolio need and could, you know, if you're a couple years out from retirement, you know, could definitely uh, allow you to retire earlier um, rather than having to kind of hang around at the job that you may not necessarily enjoy as much. So, um, yeah, the short answer is technology, definitely, um, kind of putting it all into, into there. And, and, and there's some, some more complexity that we can delve into and using Monte Carlo and, and the analysis there and, and kind of doing a sensitivity of which levers drive the most success, you know, is it putting in another thousand, every every year into the the retirement accounts is it making sure that you're being very disciplined on your investments and and not trying to pick the winners and avoid the losers you know there's and there's there's all sorts of other things um you know as i say with the part-time income and so forth so uh long-winded way of, of saying technology helps us to do that in a very easy way and show it in a in a in a uh, interactive way I, th- I think the your mention of levers i think that's really important um i think that's almost you know, in some ways, if, if someone is, you know, early on in terms of their planning and saving for retirement, retirement is still a long ways off. Um, there's, it, it's difficult to, to forecast the future. It's not, it's not, it's impossible to forecast exactly what the future is. And, you know, it is, there are a lot of assumptions that you need to make, right. Or a lot of, you know, variables that you need to 
pick something, you know, what is the uh, average return going to be over the next, whatever, what, over the next 20 years or how long it takes for me to get there? Um, you know, what is my, um, and many other things and tax brackets and, and savings rates and things that you, some things that you can control and things that you can't control. And I think the levers is really interesting because if you're able to understand how the different things that you do control, how that can impact that timeline. And again, whether or not the absolute number is accurate, but if you can understand how, you know, if I put in an extra X thousand dollars a month or a year, and that means I can hit that goal five years sooner, then I think it becomes really powerful. So yeah, I think really under, understanding what are what are the inputs to to that calculation and to that kind of timeline, and, and yeah, which ones have the biggest have the biggest impact. And I think that's that's ultimately more important, especially if you're kind of early in your uh, journey, because uh, I think that helps you understand where to focus your, your your energy and resources if you're trying to if you're trying to optimize that goal. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think you know again whether it's retirement or any other goal, it's it's important to try to uh, well number one dream you know and 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 put all of that out there. But then you know as we start to look at okay, how do we turn these dreams into reality? How do we define? different versions of these dreams. So maybe you've got, um, maybe there's a high, medium, low, you know, or again, with retire with retirement, it's maybe it's like, okay, well maybe the high or the, you know, the more aggressive, uh, timeline, you know, then you've got the, the moderate timeline and then you get the more conservative timeline. And so, you know, maybe aggressive, I mean, you could say is, I don't know, age 50 and then maybe moderate, maybe you got the 59 and a half and, you know, you get the 65. I mean, those are very big, very, very big differences. And I think, one year in retirement sense is is quite a big lever, uh, typically in most people's uh, financial plans. But but just returning to the point of of defining it and characterizing it and understanding what are these inputs that really move the needle, uh, and, and so then you can start to to get a sense of okay, well if I work one more as you, just as you're saying those those choice points if you know if I get really intentional now and and that's very important this goal is very important to me you know and i I put maybe a little bit more and i i sacrifice a little bit more today and then i could achieve this goal um and i've also seen clients situations where you know retirement might necessarily be the most important goal and so they've got other things on their agenda that they're like okay so i love what i do and i can't see myself retiring you know at the typical and um Yes, and and I know that could be very envious, but but there there are definitely people out there that love what they're doing and and don't necessarily want to to, to retire early. So um, yeah, it just depends on on the priority and 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 yeah. But taking something very complex like retirement breaking down is is I think a good illustration of um, how that could work in practice. Yeah. So you mentioned you know technology as a as a way to do this. Now, do you have any recommendations for people who you know? may not be ready to kind of engage a financial planner and do you have any uh, suggestions for for tools and, and products that that people can go out and try yeah good question um yeah i so i'm a big believer of go out there and, and try it i you know and, and a big diyer i mean i do it in a lot of other areas of my life and um and there there becomes times where I'll you know reluctantly raise my hand and say okay I need help from a professional and so I think it's important that you understand and, and there's others who just like I don't even want to deal with even I don't even know where to begin and I just I just want to hand the keys over um, give somebody the keys to say hey how do we walk walk me through all of this like what should I look at um, so so that being said again there's a lot of retirement calculators out there to get your your rough idea I, I suspect a lot of the um, if if you have a 401k, uh, going to that provider, I'm sure that they have, even, even if it's very simple to at least get yourself familiar with the number, you know, and that, that can help you under, again, quantify the goal and, uh, see if you put in this amount and, or contribute up to the company match, you know, what does that put you on track for? Uh, one, one big tool that a, a lot of clients use is personal capital to, uh, monitor, um, 
you know, once you, once you have an understanding of, all right, I'm saving for this goal. Now I'm, I've kind of got it on more autopilot. You can have tools like uh, personal capital, which allows you to track balances over time. Um, they have a, a great account aggregation feature where you link all of your accounts and, and it's a nice dashboard. I've used it in, in looking at the cash flow side of things just to kind of say, all right, well, you spent this much and that's X amount over last month or Y amount lower than last month. So, um, and, and I've actually not a little embarrassed to say, but I have not logged onto the desktop side. I'm much more of a, a mobile user. So I understand that people have told me that there's a lot more functionality on the desktop side. So, and of course you could, you could go the old fashioned, the spreadsheet method, but I think that there are just, there are solutions out there that, that makes this a much more of approachable thing to manage over time. Uh, that said, I, is, there any, is there anything in particular that you've been using that uh, really resonates with, with, the way you handle on track? Yeah. So, I mean, I am a, also a big personal capital fan. Um, I can talk about a few others that I've tried, but I'll, yeah, I'll start with just kind of why I like personal capital. And it's, like you mentioned, I think it does both tracking of, of all your accounts. So I think, you know, getting back to sort of what we're talking about and how do you track your progress towards a goal is so you're not just projecting like how long it's going to take you to get there, but you also, it, has the ability if you, if you give it access to your various bank accounts or investment accounts to you know in real time show you what your total you know all of your assets are and all of your debts that are liabilities and then the sum of those are is your net worth and so being able to track that in real time and so if you have a retirement goal you know that's obviously you can look at your net worth if you um depending on your other goals you know depend um but i think just being able to see that and have it update um in real time is really great without having to log into all the different um potentially multiple kind of bank accounts or credit cards or other accounts that you have it's really, it's really helpful but on the retirement planning side i think it is pretty robust and one of the better kind of kind of do it yourself for retirement planning tools. Um, you know, it lets you enter things like your, your income or your kind of annual savings amount, which is obviously has a much is, is what really matters. Um, but then it also lets you put in some assumptions around how that amount would change over time. Is it going to increase or is it going to decrease? And then it also, you know, allows you to, you know, say, okay, let's, let's pick a date. Let's, let's say I want to, you know, retire in 20 years and I want to spend this much and it'll kind of give you its uh, assessment or kind of a, a probability of, of, of that having success of, of you. If, if you retire at that date, you know, what is the probability of, of you being able to sustain that withdrawal amount till, um, till you pass away. And so it's really helpful just to play around with that type of thing. And you can put in things like, Oh, you know, I want to spend, you know, you know, coming up in a couple of years, I'm going to have to spend money to put my, you know, child to school, or we're going to have a child, or, you know, we're going to, I want to save up to put them through college. And so you can really put in all these different kind of events, whether they could be income events, like maybe you receive an inheritance, or it could be an expense event. And you can see how all of that impacts um, these, this sort of probability. So I think it's, it's really cool. Uh, I really am a big, a big fan of it and something that I've been using for, for quite a while. And obviously, the longer you use it, I think, you get a lot of value if you start using it immediately, but I think being able to look in the past and, and, and seeing things is also really, really fun too. Um, so the other tool that I, I do use from time to time is, uh, is Wealthfront. They have a similar type feature. I don't think it's quite as robust in terms of being able to add all the different kind of um, events, but uh, it's similar in that you're able to, you know, link all your bank accounts and investment accounts and it will make, um, some projections in terms of like what their chance of success is and things like that. Um, so, you know, but I think it's, I, I like to, you know, if, if you're going to do it yourself route, kind of use a couple of them. Like you kind of said, like in the same way that you might model a couple different scenarios, one's the most kind of more optimistic scenario where you're like, you know, spending the least amount, saving the most, and then in a more kind of maybe realistic or pessimistic scenario where you're, you know, the opposite. And, doing that with the different tools and seeing how, how they compare. Cause each of them use different assumptions with regards to uh, expected rate of return and social security and all that. So I think don't take the output of any of these tools as, as gospel, but take it as a reference point and a data point. And I think um, it can be a, a good ballpark. And especially if you, if you layer in multiple of them, but also I think the real value is understanding how the different kind of inputs into this really uh, impact, you know, things like timeline or things like, probability of success. 
Yeah, and I can't stress that enough. That's such a good point that um, you don't necessarily, this isn't the end all. The, the results that it generates, whatever tool that you're using is not the end all be all. If we know anything, the inputs that you're putting in there are probably subject to error. An example, a, a lot of calculators will um, give you the opportunity to grow your salary, again, by typically a linear fashion. And, you know, most professions um well i mean depending on if you know if you work for the government you know it's probably pretty clear like okay we're going to move up to that next level every however many years and it's going to be at this this rate but for for most others it's like i reach a i get a promotion and i get a big jump and then maybe my income levels off for a little bit and then i get another jump maybe it's more of a, a stair step method or um you know or or you know maybe in others you're you're working for a long time and then you finally get that the skills that you need in order to 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 get a really big jump, you know, that, that it's just a, a much different way of thinking about it. So there's all sorts of nuance that can influence the result. And, you know, depending on where you're at in this journey, I, for those who are just starting out and trying to get their head around, uh, you know, again, how do I think about retirement or all the more complex goals? Try again, try these things out. You don't, you don't have to be an expert out of the gate. Um, I, I tend for anything that's new that I don't necessarily have a good grasp on. I, I really li like to look at things that are a good user experience. And I think not that this is an ad for personal capital, but it's just one that people in a lot of my clients have been using. That one is, is, is just got a, it's got an easy way of, of thinking about these different things and, and those events. The other point that I wanted to make too is, is adding these different events. I mean, the, the, the pie is only so big, right? So we could try to optimize for one particular goal, but that's going to be at the cost of other things. So, uh, you know, it could be shorter term goals or it could be another longer term goal. So in isolation, when you just look at a retirement calculator, that doesn't necessarily have the benefit of, okay, I want to buy a home in however many years. If I buy X amount of home, maybe I can afford that amount of home, but does that push my retirement out? And so, um, the, the clients that a lot of times people come to me is they're, they're, begins to be a, a, a level of complexity that, you know, maybe on its own, it's like, it's easy to kind of optimize, you know, when you're just, you know, retire or saving for one particular goal. But when you start having, you know, maybe you, you join, uh, you get married and, you know, you're planning with your partner and they, you know, you both have different goals and, you know, maybe there's some income there, but it's just like, how, again, how do you, how do you optimize and put the dollars where uh, they should be going to make sure that you're achieving these goals uh, on the appropriate timelines that you've set? So um, this by no means is rocket science. This is uh, there's there's a lot of elements to it, but um, you know just breaking things down into smaller pieces and um, again not being afraid of whatever the the output generates. Um, some of these tools have got you know like. Oh, you know, you're not on a good track and, you know, it could be very disheartening as you, you first kind of put these, uh, maybe lofty projections, uh, in there and, and realize, okay, you really need to step up the savings. I wouldn't be discouraged by that again, given how much air there is in some of these. Um, but also, you know, without having any frame of reference, you know, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, I was going to say about getting kind of deterred. I think what kind of leading into some of the potential challenges that people face um, when, when tracking these things, or you know, especially if you're um, if you have some of your money invested in the stock market. You talked about certain periods, and you know, it's they're going to go. The stock market's going to go up, and it's going to go down. And over the long term, it does go up. But I think you know, if you're tracking progress towards a goal, and um, you know, you, you almost make negative progress because your net worth goes down because the market just dips. Like that's it can be disheartening. And so, you know, I think one of the things that I actually, you know, I think I actually look up more is in terms of like uh, kind of a more real time status check on that is, uh, you know, how much have you actually contributed to your investment accounts or like how much net kind of savings have you had this year? And so that, that would include if you have any debt, like, you know, how much have you paid off towards debt? And, you know, that is something that is, you know, well, I wouldn't say fully within your control. Obviously there's always uh, extenuating circumstances and life happens and, and things happen, but I think much more in your control than obviously you really have no control what the stock market is doing. And so I think for people who, uh, yeah, who have, any type of long-term retirement goals. And I think if you can break that down into, okay, well, that means this year or the next, you know, for the next five years, we need to save, you know, 
$50,000 a year or X thousand dollars, I think that's a much more um, easy goal and much more just, uh, I think, better to actually track that short-term goal. I think, obviously, once you've kind of done that work to understand how that short-term goal kind of helps you achieve that long-term goal. Yeah, and this is a, a really good, um, important distinction, too, is, is, is trying to separate the dependence on investment return. And that's one of the, the levers that I walk clients through is to say, okay, well, how much risk do you need to take on uh, to get to this goal? And and if you were to dial down the risk level by you know, one notch or two notches or three notches, does that materially impact the achieve, you know, the, the timeline or the success rate of this goal? And breaking it down into into things that of just just pure savings. Um, and I think the impo- the other important thing too, and I believe this is something we'll, we'll cover in the future here is, you know, with the way you invest and, and, you know, depending on where people are coming from, the notion that markets are up on the long term could be a new, new one for, for folks. Um, or, you know, especially those who've just started their, their investment understanding in the last 10 years, like they've, they've definitely seen it, uh, do that, uh, maybe in the short term. So, um, it, it is natural for markets to go down. Uh, you know, we've seen that in many different time periods and you just don't know when that's going to happen. But the one thing that you can control is the uh, savings rates and, and how much you're putting in and, um, how much you're spending. Um, so, so yeah, those are, those are very important markers. So, I'm curious, um, you know, when you talk about there's a there's a time period that the markets have gone down, and through the tools that you use, you're able to see how much money has gone into the accounts. Like, walk me through what that looks like. How are you checking? Like, where are you going to to see this rather than just seeing the the return? Or yeah, the return. Sure. So, um, so I mean, it, personal capital has uh, something right in your dashboard. Um, it it it's just it's like a little tile that says retirement savings um and it has a little dial it's i think i think somewhere in the app you can kind of put in what is your goal for 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 kind of your annual savings goal and you know based on kind of where you are in the year kind of assumes that okay if you're halfway through the year you should be halfway through this goal and it kind of shows you where you've achieved that to that goal and you can click into it and you can see what it's considering like progress towards that goal. And, you know, I would look into it actually, because sometimes it doesn't always calculate things correctly and things can be kind of, it can be confused by exchanges or trans rollovers and stuff can confuse it. So I would definitely look into it, but basically it looks into the kind of net inflows to retirement accounts. Um, I don't know, you know, if it, if it, if it actually includes, uh, you know, reductions in, in, in debt, but, you know, obviously I, I would include that, you know, I think that's important, right? If you're trying to save, you know, $50,000 and you end up putting $20,000 towards a student loan, like that, that counts. So, so I, I imagine it does include that, but I'm not positive. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, other ways of doing that obviously too are, you know, it just depends on, you know, what kind of accounts that you're, uh, contributing to. But obviously if you're contributing to your 401k, uh, through your employer, for instance, your paycheck will actually tell you, I think exactly how much you've contributed year to date. Um, so that's a pretty easy one. You know, if you're contributing to an IRA, uh, you know, if, if you're able to max it out, well, if you know, you've made that contribution or that maximum contribution for the year, then, you know, that's like, six thousand dollars for 2021 so you know you can always uh just add up how much you've contributed to all the, your different accounts and assuming you contribute to multiple accounts uh yeah it's definitely um several ways of doing it uh but uh, definitely encourage people to really actually focus on that more than their kind of net worth assuming it's you know within the realm of tracking kind of progress towards a, a long-term retirement goal mm-hmm. And then again, um, inherent in that approach is you have long-term conviction in the investments or the way your investments are allocated. Because uh, th- there's a lot of people that uh, might chase performance, that might uh, you know, hey, this fund has done very well. I need to move my money into it, um, or it's got it's been highly rated by various rating agencies, or I heard this from a coworker. Um, I think a lot of people, at least early on, get exposure to investments through their work retirement plan, the 401ks, 403bs, or whatever they may have. So, and again, I think that's something we should we can definitely cover in the future there. But yeah. 
having conviction in the long term, I think is super important. What are some other challenges that um, might lead people astray when they've got maybe a longer term goal, or maybe it's in the immediate, more medium term that you might be able to think of uh, that might be going through people's heads? I have one if you don't. Yeah, why don't you start? Sure, sure. The entrance of other goals, newer goals, or, you know, again, it depends on, on the, uh, it depends on where you are at in your life. Um, but you know, if there, there is family that needs help financially, um, or, you know, some, something, you know, maybe some, uh, a sibling or relative is, is in major debt, um, you know, and you need to, this wasn't planned and maybe you need to help them out for some period of time, or maybe your parents are, um, not healthy and they don't necessarily have their retirement or, uh, you know, the, the funds in order to cover this. So, so that could be a challenge that, uh, might have a material impact on things, or it could just be a, a small blip. You know, if you're helping somebody out for during a tough period of time, say the pandemic, maybe they were working in, a, in an industry that got crushed by, um, the pandemic and, and you're just helping them out. So, uh, things like that, or a new goal coming into play, like, you know, you're, you're getting married and you're in, in, maybe you're integrating your financial life with your, your partner, your spouse, uh, and they may have different goals than you do. So I think that's another big one that, um, could be a potential challenge for folks as they're, as they're tracking, uh, their, their progress. So, so it may, may consider, uh, may may need to have you reconsider your your goals, um, and may need to be you may need to make some adjustments to some of these other goals, depending on how significant of an entrant they are uh, to your to your other goals here. But uh, another thing that came off the top of my head is, is unfortunately maybe you lose your job, or maybe you're working in in a specialized industry that is uh, dying out, or or you were working at a at a, at a very well-paying job in the industry and that's higher than the industry and and you know if you're switching another type of job maybe you're you're earning less or vice versa you know maybe you get a a really good raise uh or a promotion or maybe your your company gets acquired by another company and you've got you've got maybe you got stock options or equity maybe you get um maybe you're in sales and and this particular product is really doing well and your 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 compensation's reflected maybe you're in a small business where your income is variable that's another really big one um just if your income is variable how do you plan for retirement that could be a challenge and the short answer, the way I work with clients in that way is you set up some sort of savings framework where maybe it's above a certain dollar amount that all goes to the most important goal, or you set it aside to cover the years where you're not necessarily able to get to that quote unquote typical, uh, level of pay. So uh, this is a lot of different challenges that could arise that could impact different goals. Yeah. I have a, um, question to post to you, but I guess, yeah, first, actually, I think we missed a, I think an important goal for a lot of people think is kind of like step one is yeah. Having a, some sort of just general savings or, you know, quote unquote emergency fund to, to, you know, be able to provide for yourself or your family if, if you were to lose your income stream. So I think that's, that's a, obviously a very important thing. And I think, I think we have a lot of thought. Yeah, yeah. We have a lot of thoughts on, on how people should think about that in terms of the amount and as well as the uh, kind of the, the account or where they place that money we can kind of tackle in a future episode. But um, yeah, I think one of the challenges, like you mentioned, is having too many too many goals, you know, and, um, even I think two goals or even competing goals, I think it's just a challenge. And so I'm, I'm curious to hear your take and then I'll tell you mine is just like, if people have multiple goals, what are your thoughts on them working towards both of them at the same time? Or, or do you think they should really kind of pick one and, and just focus their efforts on, on one first? I have several clients that are focusing on multiple goals at the same time that has an impact clearly on the timeline or the, the size of the goal. And I, I think it's also important to, to maybe just talk about different ways to characterize goals, you know, so we've got the, the, you know, prioritizing you're mentioning, you know, maybe they're, they're the same level. Uh, they're both number one. How flexible are you with that goal is, is one goal, you know, let, let's say it's a home and maybe you're trying to be very strategic about this, you know, and then you also maybe want to start a business, uh, just, just to put a, another goal on there, um, at around the same time, or you wanted to have a child or, you know, so, if the timetable is the same, it stands to reason that your the amount of risk that you take on is dependent on the timeline, the timeline, and how quick, how soon that goal is. Um, 
who's to say you couldn't put it in a general bucket of money, depending on what the, the housing market does, let's say, you know, uh, maybe that is an impact or the overall market. So if the, if the, if you have these dollars set away in a very safe manner and, you know, it's perhaps not a good time to start a business, but it's a great time to buy a house because housing is depressed. You know, I think it, it depends on the flexibility, um, you know, because money is fungible and, and a dollar saved in, in one account is, is virtually the same as, you know, setting aside in a different account, uh, absent the tax uh, advantaged accounts that we mentioned before. So I think that's probably the first way I'd, I'd kind of cut it is try to understand, like, are there other factors that we can, how, what's the interplay between the two goals? Yeah, no, that's a great point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I think my initial thoughts on it are really like the fewer goals that you can have, I think uh, it's easier to to focus on and, and stay motivated, I think, just to be you know, more concrete. It's like, well, we're going to make this sacrifice you know, uh, in some way. We're going to cut our expenses by some way. We're going to you know, forego this luxury so that we can do X. And if X is something that's super concrete, so, so we can buy a house in two years, I think that's just easier and more motivating than, you know, so we can buy a house in two years and start a business and do this. But then it's like, well, which one is it for? And, um, so, so I think, you know, I think in the most cases, you know, unless there's a goal that, you really have no need. There's no benefit in achieving sooner. You know, I, I think I would kind of urge people to really kind of focus on, on one at, at, a, at a time. For instance, I think a classic one is like, yeah, if you're trying to save for a house, do you also contribute to retirement accounts? Right. I'm sure your clients deal with that. And I would probably just say, probably just save for the house. Right. I don't know. But I think it's just it, having a single thing can be just more motivating. I would say maybe the only time where I would uh, reconsider is, you know, obviously if, if, you know, I think if, if a partner is, is comes into play, right. And, and, you know, the priorities between partners of, of their goals are not quite aligned. Maybe you both agree that you have two goals, but one partner prefers this, you know, goal a, which is maybe buy the house and the other partner is, is really more inclined to start the business. Well then, you know, maybe contributing equally to both is, uh, is, is a fair way to kind of a compromise, I'd say of some sorts. Um, because I think, you know, it is, while of course, like you think like we talked about earlier that you can always, it's important to save for some goal and you can always kind of shift what that money is for, assuming that it's some in an account that you're able to do that with. If you're sharing finances with the partner, I think it's obviously pretty important to have a clear expectation of what that money is for. And of course you can agree to change it, but obviously that's a conversation that you both need to have and agree on. So it can be much harder to agree to take the money that we're planning to buy a house with to start a business, you know, down the road rather than kind of doing that up front. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think the one that is able to be defined a little bit more, maybe that's a little bit more clear. Um, again, just leaning too heavily on this one, but, but yeah, starting a business that can be very difficult to define unless you have, uh, you know, you've really thought about what it, you know, what are the costs involved with that? And, and typically it's, it's taken a, a the, the biggest cost, depending on which, which type of business you're talking about starting, the biggest cost may be, uh, just the, the lifestyle, uh, that you are lack of income to, to cover your lifestyle expenses. So, um, that, that's a big one. So yeah, trying to define what these goals are, in the case where you're talking about between the house and then retirement, you know, usually in that case, I say, you know, make sure we're, we're maxing out the employer match and that we were not leaving any free money out, uh, on the table there. Um, and then, yeah, maybe we divert a lot of the dollars to shorter term goals in a very classical sense there, you know, people early on in their life will have a lot of short term goals and things start to level out later in life. So if you, you know, if you're talking about, okay, well buying a home, uh, you know, uh, you know, whatever order you've got uh, getting married, having children, uh, adopting, or maybe you're, you're bouncing from a startup job to or a, a smaller company to a bigger company. It's, it's very popular in the tech world. Um, but, but the, I think the implicit agreement there is that at some point you will have some stability of income in the future 
um, and in some way to ratchet up your savings so that, you know, you're not necessarily always, because there's, there's definitely the times where you could have too many goals that are short term and then people just continue to move to short term, short term goals. Um, you know, maybe it's buying new cars, uh, you know, every however long and, and, you know, you're just eating that depreciation that because you're buying those brand new cars and then, or you're, you're, you know, souping them up or you're slapping, you know, whatever it is on them, you know, just using that as an example. Um, and that could just rob the long term and it could leave you, you know, years down the road just wondering, oh my gosh, why well, I had all of this potential or, you know, where'd all the money go? Yeah. No, I think that's definitely a good point. I think too many short term goals can definitely, yeah, obviously just distract and take away from, from longer term goals. We, we talked a good amount about tracking, I think, kind of the long-term goal of retirement. Do, do you have any kind of uh, suggestions for techniques for how to you know, track progress towards um, more of those short-term goals? Yeah, that, that's... Um... You know, there's, it's interesting because uh, there's a couple of schools of thought, you know, I've got some people who are maybe real flexible on a specific goal and they've got, you know, Hey, I'm going to plop in $5,000 in crypto. And hopefully that goes from 5,000 to, to 20,000, which, you know, obviously there's no guarantees whatsoever, but it's amazing how many people come to me and that's kind of the game plan for, you know, Hey, the goal shorter term, you know, I don't necessarily have, um, you know, there's, it doesn't necessarily have to be at this particular timeline. So people with high risk might go that direction. But again, I, I typically default to the shorter the time horizon, you shouldn't be taking as much risk. Uh, you know, when we're talking about retirement, you've got a really long time horizon, you know, the market goes up, it goes down, but you know, we, we can take more risk in that, those accounts, but for those that are, that are short term. So I say all that to say, Maybe it doesn't make sense to have that money in in a in a brokerage account. Maybe instead it makes sense to keep it, even despite how low uh, interest rates are and, and how low the savings rates are that these various banks give you. Um, and so that what's that's what's really makes it so important the savings rate. So we're less dependent on hey, can I make fifty percent uh, return every year over year? I mean, if we want to go down that road maybe we should go to Vegas instead. Like it, it should really be something that's set away as particularly if you want to have that goal occur and it needs to, uh, you know, we were talking before, if you had already saved that money and you know, it, maybe you're, you're well ahead of schedule. Okay. Maybe you could t afford to take some risk on some portion of that portfolio, but, uh, most people aren't in that camp. So I think it's just more of a, a dependence on savings and, and just hitting, Pace hits. I think, uh, yeah, beyond just maybe putting it in a savings account, um, I think uh, a lot of, well, it's some 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 savings accounts, um, for instance, well, I'm just going to name a few just because I had experience with them. Like, uh, I use Alliant Credit Union, and they let you create, I think, a, I wouldn't say unlimited, but a good number of kind of um, accounts, I think, uh, savings or even multiple checking accounts. And um, it's really easy and instant to move money between them. And so, it's really nice, You can and you can label them. And so, I think a lot of banks offer this, too. And so, you know, you can create these dedicated accounts for a particular goal. And um, I think it's really nice because you can, it's really easy to see your progress. If your goal is to, you know, save up, you know, $10,000 to buy a car and, you know, you just go check the balance of this one account and it has $5,000 and, you know, you're halfway there. And so, and again, it's very easy to, to see like how much you've contributed to this goal over the past year or month or whatever time frame. Um, so I think that's a really nice way to, you know, if you s separate it from your just general savings or your general kind of, checking account, um, it makes it really easy to know what you've contributed and, and where you are in relation to, to your goal. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Leveraging this, you know, bias of mental accounting that, you know, is, it's a real quick, easy way, especially if it's not from your, your main checking account. Uh, I totally agree. I think that's a really good uh, way of, of looking at it. And let me just be clear too. And again, we'll cover this I think in a future episode, but I'm talking about goals that are occurring in the next couple of years, maybe two, three years out one, you know, zero to three years out, um, leveraging, uh, savings accounts. Um, you know, for, if you have again, flexibility or you're going out a little bit further on the timeline, four to five to 10 years out, you know, maybe you can afford again to take on a little bit more risk and depending on where we're at too, in overall valuations of the stock market. And, and, um, again, nobody has, has a crystal ball, but with valuations being as high as they are today, you know, maybe there are ways to 
take advantage of, okay, maybe you've got some, some in column A and some in column B where you got maybe some in savings right now. And then maybe as valuations look a little bit more attractive, I'm not a very tactical investor and, and believing in trying to time the market, but maybe you could dollar cost average where you're just investing dollars over time into the market you know, when, when there become, there's a market pullback. So, um, obviously hindsight being what it is, we'd love to, to invest in March, 2020. Um, and, and we just didn't know how far down it would go. And so, um, but there are others who, who took advantage of that. So maybe they had their, 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 their savings and they, you know, put it in some investments that they believe were going to rebound. So, um, anyways, at the risk of going too far and on the investment, uh, side of things, but yeah, I think sub accounts and, and, taking advantage of mental accounting where they've got a separate bucket. Um, and as you see, I think a lot of these, like, I know I, I use ally, um, and, and, you know, there's a, there's a way to, to just label, uh, different goals and stuff like that. So you can do quickly at a glance, see how much you've saved for that goal. Cool. Um, was there anything else, any other last tips around, uh, you know, setting the goals, uh, you know, characterizing the goals, uh, whether it be timeline priority, uh, the, the feasibility, the size, you know, flexibility, the type of savings, the account. Yeah, I think I would just really kind of go back and 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 plug uh, the earlier episode we talked about. You know, setting goals and I think why it's important to to choose them yourself. Because I think we've outlined obviously some 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 strategies and tips, but and you know, I think maybe we haven't talked about. I think everyone knows there's just this. This is hard, right? I think this is something that people, uh, you know, everyone, uh, struggles with and everything's a trade-off, right? Like everyone would love to have 10 goals and achieve them all the next year, but you know, it's a trade-off. And so I think it's really important throughout this is to, you know, make sure the goal that you set is one that you, you know, are, are really pa passionate about and excited about and something that, you know, you stick to and hold on to, I think. And yeah, of course you can, you know, money is, is fungible and, and you can move it around, but I think uh, the amount of success you'll have in achieving your goal will, will be pretty dependent on, on how, uh, how important that goal is uh, to you. So definitely spend the time to, uh, to reflect and, and think about what, what goal is important to you and make sure you're, you're setting them for, for yourself and, and your family, um, but and not, not for anybody else or what society kind of tells you to do. Very well said. Very well said. I don't know if I could top that. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. sounds good. We're a new podcast, so it would mean the world to us if you took a moment to write a review in the Apple Podcast app or share this episode with a friend or family member. We also want to hear from you. Is there a topic that you're interested in? Have feedback for us? Please email us at feedback at maxfinancepodcast.com. Thanks. See you next time.